Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Talking about Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out. Fly route, let's air it out. Topics, loaded like offense, cold centric, talking about it often. Stampede Blue, let's air it out. Fly route, let's air it out to a big. Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Danley. Thank you guys for coming back to the show. Uh, rough outing in week 12 for the Indianapolis Colts. Take a, a massive loss to the Tennessee Titans, 45-26. Colts now stand at 7-4. and Tennessee up in record. Tennessee up in tiebreakers. Uh, that was a big game for the Colts, but, um, you know, the Colts didn't show up, plain and simple. Uh, the Colts did not get done what they should have gotten done and that's the ultimate result of that however um you know it, it felt kind of like by halftime the game was definitely out of reach once the Colts tied it up at 14-14 you thought there was some chances there uh but Tennessee took over the second quarter obviously and the Colts were only able to put 12 up in the second half all in the fourth so the Colts just didn't have enough firepower to come back from uh, what they were shorthanded on defense. The Colts were not great on offense. Obviously, the uh, injury to Anthony Costanzo is a major hit. Uh, the Colts simply don't have a piece to place at left tackle that can, um, you know, even 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 almost get to where Anthony Costanzo was at, uh, even this late in his career. So that, that's a real issue for the Colts. The depth there is not great. I think we saw that the depth on defense is not great uh, overall. Uh, Matthew Adams throwing punches apparently, you know, getting kicked out of the game. Not that he's a big player defensively, uh, but he's a big special teams guy and he's a big hitter. Uh, that, that was, you know, you know, take that for what it's worth. But uh, the Colts were off their best defensive lineman, uh, you know, the guy who really obviously is going to help uh, try to stop Henry, and Henry just explodes with Buckner out. Um, not to mention, not that the Colts got a lot of pressure. I saw Kamoko Ture get a couple uh, a couple pressures in, uh, but they were ultimately you know design pressures, uh, screen passes, such like that. But you know the Colts were without Autry. He was leading the team in sacks with six. You, you're basically out your one B linebacker in Okariki because he's so uh, pivotal in coverage. He's good uh, against the run, and you, you just you had three pieces there at two different levels that were huge for the Colts' success in a game against a team like the Titans, one of the best running teams in the league, uh, competent quarterback, a good play caller, a uh, good overall coach in Vrabel, I think, and the Colts just were simply outmanned, and now the Colts are 1-2 and two in the division. Uh, like I said, they don't own any of the tiebreakers against Tennessee. They've got a kind of a – 
a heavy road because you know the the Colts in the AFC South they're always competitive. Uh, the the entire division more or less is what I'm getting at. So you never know what's going to happen with the Texans in the final game of the year against the Jaguars. But the Colts have the Vegas Raiders, and they've got Pittsburgh on the schedule. I mean, so this is kind of a if they, if it could be any more pivotal, the Colts need to sweep the rest of the division uh, to see what they can really come up to see if they can possibly possibly take the AFC South. I think that they're better positioned right now, obviously, uh, for a wild card berth, but that's a rough road too. I mean, you come in with that, uh, at that seed that low, you know, you're, you're either traveling to uh Heinz field or Arrowhead, uh, you know, in the, uh, first round of the playoffs and that, and that's just not okay. Uh, with only one buy this year in the playoffs, it, it, it makes things even more difficult because you have that number one seed or that number two seed that you're going to be playing, I guess, rather, and uh, ultimately, you know, you don't really have a number two seed in the AFC. You've got uh, 1A and 1B for the most part, and both those teams are as good as they get with the Steelers and uh, and the Chiefs. So the Colts are, are in a rough position right now, but they've got to make do with what they've got. They've got to get everybody, you know, whether they're actually not healthy or at least they've got to get these guys active and on the field because these players I mean especially Buckner and Autry's had a hell of a good year against the run as well in my opinion so you had three guys right there that are going to help you tremendously against a guy like Henry and you're out now what that says for a lot of other pieces though you know the secondary got shredded uh, especially Rocky Sin he's a serious issue right now yes he has a pick that doesn't I mean uh, what last week that does not uh, take him off the snide for all the shit defense he's played all all year to be perfectly honest with you uh grabby holding getting smoked on routes this has been happening for weeks I mean you've I feel like you've got to put TJ Carey in that position TJ Carey's been productive although you know don't get me wrong he's no he's no lockdown outside corner he's been better and he's not getting he's not drawing the penalties that Rocky Sin is and um I just I don't know there there's so many things about Yasin natural talent that tick me off because he's he is an actually he could be a very good corner but he's so bad uh at the line of scrimmage or within the first five yards of the route it feels like he just completely breaks everything down and then he then he just starts ripping at people's jerseys and it's just it's so obvious all of his penalties and I don't understand why he looks so damn confused after he grabs a guy's shirt for five yards I I don't don't understand um, this is just, you know, this is an issue with the Colts right now. That 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 corner spot there, opposite roads, uh, without Kenny Moore being the outside guy, you know, TJ Carey, you got to give him a, a, a go. You've got to give him the majority of these snaps, in my opinion. Or you put Kenny Moore out there, who's not exactly designed to be a boundary corner, one way or the other. The Colts have some issues back there. And one of the other things that I noticed was the kind of the way that the Titans played. They kind of took. Uh, Blackman and the safeties out of the game for the Colts in terms of them being able to uh, cover well um, or play well, I guess, you know, kind of keep them from making an impact. And they just ran the ball down their throat. Henry had uh, an insane amount of uh, rushing yards, over six and a half yards per carry, almost 180 yards on the ground. Um, Tannehill wasn't great. You know, and that's the thing. They don't even need Tannehill to be great. Uh, just above 50% completion rate, a touch, and no no interceptions. The Colts only got to him one time, and it was really not 
I think Darius Leonard got credit for that sack. I don't think it was a sack. It was a one-yard loss on a scramble out on the perimeter of the play. Um, so, yeah, technically it's a sack. Um, wasn't Certainly wasn't a pressure sack. That was a result of Tannehill uh, getting out of the pocket and trying to make something happen with his feet. So, uh, Rivers was okay. Two touchdowns and interception. I don't think that you can say that he really did anything to, uh, you know, help the Colts uh, get to that next level against the Titans or to be able to, after two drive touchdown or two touchdown drives, two nice touchdown drives that look really good, look like the Colts offense is humming. Uh, then they just go completely flat for a long time. And you just cannot have that, especially in the division, especially in the AFC. Um, it was just, uh, I don't know. It was just a game that, that was not, uh, not the way that the Colts wanted to do it. Obviously you're out Taylor you're out Ryan Kelly, um, you know, the Raven Clark played like crap. You know, I, I, I don't know this. It's rough. The, this was a, a rough, a rough go for the Colts and, uh, the score dictates that ultimately the Colts were, um, you know, overmatched and, and just getting blown away from, you know, even before halftime, this game was out of reach. This game really wasn't competitive. Uh, the Colts did come back with a few, you know, drives in the second half that that looked like they showed some signs of, uh, you know, of life. But the, you know, the 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 hill was just too too tall to climb, and it, it just made it nearly impossible for the Colts to do anything uh, worth doing. So, uh, we did have good games out of T.Y. Hilton. I thought Trey Burton had a beautiful catch in the back of the end zone. It was nice, to, like I said, nice to see Hilton get up here with some catches, but ultimately. You know, I, I've got to believe that a large part of that was because a lot of the guys, you know, he was thrown behind Michael Pittman. Um, Wilkins basically got all of his stuff out of the backfield. Pascal only had one catch. He targeted him four times. It felt like more than that. It felt like Pascal was being targeted six to ten times uh, in this game. And, you know, he was behind him or he was in double coverage. So some of his passes to Pascal were forced a little bit. Uh, which kind of you know annoyed me just simply watching the game and Mo Ali Cox uh, and Jack Doyle combined get three targets in this game, so that's an actual tight end issue and in my opinion. And the next thing you look at is Burton with a great game. Okay, he was lined out split a large majority of his uh, snaps. So I mean, is that tight end or is that slot receiver? You know, is that uh, you know, trying to find a mismatch somewhere against a linebacker. Yes, that's what that is. That's ultimately a tight end, a little move tight end. But nevertheless, the guys who are the big physical guys and with Mo Ali Cox, especially being as athletic as he is, I want to see him getting more involved. I really, really do. And not just in the inside of 10 yards. You know, you've got to be able to use him as that, too, because he's a true mismatch body type. Um, they've got to be able to use him more effectively, in my opinion. So. Um, the Colts just didn't look great offensively overall. I mean, they didn't early, they did. And then afterwards you just go completely dead defensively. The Colts allow AJ Brown to go off. Corey Davis had a nice game. Um, a lot of situational issues for the Colts in this one defensively. I felt like they had some opportunities on third down to make really big plays and just didn't convert, uh, defensively, although they did hold the, the, uh, Titans, I believe, to what five of thirteen or or something like that on third down, which is exactly what you're you're hoping to do. Uh, five of twelve is what the Colts held them to. The Colts were five of thirteen themselves on third down, and you know you look at the rushing yards and you look at the uh, 
everything involved with this, and it looks like the Colts got blown out. The one aspect that I felt like it was just kind of surprising uh, overall compared to what the Colts have done so far this year was their red zone made and attempts, 4-4 in the red zone for the Colts. That's great. But when you're only getting less than two uh, two eight yards per rush, you're getting sacked a couple times, you're under pressure most of the game, um, you know, 280 passing yards isn't going to cut it for the Colts, especially when things just aren't working in your favor. Now, despite the fact that they ran nearly the same amount of plays, the Colts just didn't have the same efficiency by any, by any stretch at all. Uh, the Titans were far more, uh, efficient in that way. Almost, uh, what about 6.6 yards per play throughout the game. So, you know, uh, it just was ugly from the jump and it, it just felt like the Colts really didn't have uh, a legitimate shot in this one. And I kind of felt that way before the game. I mean, you're out all those guys defensively. You're at a disadvantage already. You know, a couple guy, a couple key guys actually offensively, you're at a disadvantage already. You don't have your guy snapping the ball who is responsible for helping with protections and so on. You don't have that next back. And not to mention the Colts were down to just Naheem Hines at one point in this game when Jordan Wilkins went down. So the Colts really have got to find – uh, a way to be able to run the ball, be effective out of the backfield, and to complement what Rivers has done. Rivers is doing pretty good. There was a couple throws, man. They just reminded me so much of Andrew Lux in terms of not, 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 not obviously not the way that the ball's thrown, but you look at the ball and the trajectory of it and just floating like a lollipop. And they were right on target for the most part by uh, Rivers, and it just shocked the hell out of me because when those go up and you don't see anybody else in the frame, you just assume that there's going to be a defender come in the frame with nobody else offensively around and just going to take it back for a score. Uh, wasn't the case this time. Rivers was pretty accurate throughout the game, I thought, except uh, throwing the ball behind uh, Pittman a few times, which I, I didn't really understand. It seemed like those two were, were gelling, had a nice chemistry, and it feels like their chemistry kind of took a major hit in this one. But I, th I, I think that's temporary. I think that's not an issue going forward. I, I like what Pittman brings. I think that if you can get Hilton just to start to and, – and we're talking about breakout. He's not going to break out, I don't think. He might have a 100-yard game against the Texans because he almost literally always do does. However, his beautiful touchdown pat, uh, reception in this game against the Titans was his first touchdown catch of the year. T.Y. had always been pretty uh, consistent with offering about seven scores a year. And he's nowhere near that, <laughs> obviously. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can do something against the Texans this week and week 13. Um, can he kind of bounce back and get 60 to 80 yards uh, of complimentary help and maybe be available to get something deep? You just don't know. Burton looked excellent, in my opinion, against the Titans. Um, now if you can get that connection back with Pittman and you can use Pascal um, efficiently as opposed to trying to force the ball into him on some of these plays and maybe get Moali Cox a little more involved in some of the more dynamic pieces of this or plays of this offensive setup, then I think you're in really good shape. So I'm not worried too much about the offense at this point. Uh, they do have limitations. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but defensively, the Colts have to get guys back because this is exactly what you see a couple years ago with this Colts defense. This is who they are. They'll, they're capable of good games. But they're a few pieces away. Those few pieces that they're away were on the shelf this past week in week 12. I think that's a big deal. So uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more Colts cast right after this. 
most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back, folks. Uh, let's look at the Colts' uh, serious thought here about playoffs. Um, the Colts have obviously some real work to do within the division. Uh, being one and two so far, uh, they've got three more divisional games. You know, it really is important that the Colts kind of sweep those. I mean, going four and two in the division is, is good because you typically it feels like you're splitting a large portion of what you do uh, with this with this uh, division almost year in and year out. Dep it really doesn't even matter how uh, competitive or whatever this team is because the Colts typically do not play well in Jacksonville. Um, and the Colts play well in both the other buildings. However, they kind of seem to hit a skid when they come home uh, against those teams occasionally. So the, the rest of the AFC is really interesting as well. Um, you know, the Colts, I don't think I, it, look, if the Colts beat the Texans, the Texans are, you know, off the page. They're just not even in contention in my opinion at all, especially when you look at the rest of the AFC, here's the issue. AFC North, the top three teams have very competitive records, especially when you look at the Steelers being, uh, you know, uh, undefeated at this point, the Browns are a and three and the Ravens are six and four. The Browns beat the Colts. The Ravens beat the Colts. Uh, this year. So this is these are two teams that you have to at least consider are actually better than the Colts, you know, just for argument's sake, of course. Um, and and these two teams have, have been more consistent overall for the most part. Uh, the Ravens have hit a little bit of a skid. They've lost two in a row now. Um, but the, the fact remains that they're they're a very good team and they're very dangerous. And that's three teams right there from the AFC North, two of which the Colts are going to have to compete with without a divisional win here. So the Colts being a game down and a tiebreaker down against the Titans, the Colts have a lot of room to make up and it just doesn't, I mean, it's only a game. 
looking on on numbers, but when you look at all the extra things that come with being able to win the division through a tie, because I mean, look, what five games left, folks? You know what I mean? Uh, there's not a lot of time for movement here. Uh, Post Thanksgiving is everything, so AFC North is really in the mix. The Raiders are really in the mix. I don't think the Broncos stand a legitimate chance, even if they go on a couple game win streak here somehow that they're really a competitor in the AFC wildcard race. So you've got the Browns, Ravens, and Colts right now really hunting for those wildcard spots. Um, looking at the AFC East, you've got the Dolphins uh, and Bills, whoever doesn't win that division. The Patriots, look, they're, they're a weird team this year. Uh, you don't know what they're getting smoked by bad teams, and they're beating teams they shouldn't beat in my opinion. So, I mean, you've got the Dolphins that are really playing pretty good football right now. Fitzpatrick is always dangerous. Um, you never know what he's going to do. He'll have a YOLO game. Then he'll come back and he'll look like a seasoned uh, pro, like uh, an all-pro type quarterback uh, under center. So you just never know what you're going to get with Fitzpatrick. He is as aggressive as they get. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So you've got four teams there legitimately that you have a – you have a flat-out uh, knockdown drag out with the rest of the season. The Colts must win their division, sweep it, in my opinion. Now, look, you look at record. Okay, Colts 7-4. Sweeping the division gives the Colts 10's win, 10 wins, puts them at 10-4. and four. Can they knock off Las Vegas, who looked very, very almost pathetic? Uh, I would say not even almost pathetic. They actually looked pathetic against the Falcons have put a 40 on them. I mean, over 40. And they just got smashed the entire game. Are they that team? Or are they the team that has, like, taken blow for blow with the Kansas City Chiefs uh, a couple times here? I don't know. We don't know. But they've had a lot more good on tape than bad. That's a team that scares me. Can the Colts beat the Raiders uh, here in a couple weeks? I, they have to, in my opinion. 11 wins might win the division 11 wins in my opinion definitely gets you a wild card at least I mean look that only makes sense right 11 wins if you don't get in the wild card woof, something's wrong um but they man they've got to do it I, I I look nobody's beat the Steelers yet so my presumption is the Colts will not beat the Steelers is it possible sure but in my looking at the Colts they kind of have one big win a year I think that was probably the Packers. So the Raiders, who I feel like overall, you look at team, uh, how they play defensively, uh, being able to put points on the board. Vegas wins in a couple of those categories. The Colts definitely win in, in, in a few more. So I think that's a really good game. And I think the Colts have to win that game. And I think they've got to sweep their division the rest of the year to get into the playoffs at all. I really, truly do. Because the Dolphins are tough, man. The Dolphins are tough. The Raiders are tough. If they beat the Colts, they are in, you know, they're right there. They're seven and five. The Colts would be seven and five at minimum. I know that's two weeks away, so you never know what's going to happen with uh, the Texans this week. But uh, just with that game being counted as it is, you know, so you don't know what's going on there. The Browns could go on another couple game win streak and get to 10 wins. The, uh, the Ravens, you know, could easily win four of their last five and get to 10 wins. You, you just don't know. And you don't know what the Titans are going to do against other teams. Hopefully a couple teams decide to knock them off. But that's, you know, the Titans just 
uh, are not going to be uh, pushovers for anybody. Uh, I think we all know that. And that's something that, that really strikes a uh, level because they do play the Browns next this week. They play the Jaguars the following week, the Lions, the Packers, and the Texans. So this isn't – look, they're not a shoe-in to beat the Browns. They're certainly not a shoe-in to beat the Packers. If Jacksonville, Detroit, or the Texans can give them a really good game to the end and find a way to win – I mean, I don't think the Lions are going to do it. But you never know. The Lions just got rid of their coach. So th- this this post-coach uh, firing uh, bit of momentum seems to be evident uh, in a lot of different places. I mean, hell, look at the Falcons that just beat the brakes off of the, the Raiders. So maybe the Lions find a spark with whoever comes in and, and takes the reins there. But, um, you know, the Titans aren't a shoe-in to win 11 games, 10-11 games either. You know, so this, this this is this is it. The Colts have to take care of their business and get things done. Um, you just you just can't rely on any little piece of of hope to 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 pass away because the Colts have to have good play out of Philip Rivers. They've got to get these guys back on defense and they've got to get back to stopping the run and being effective at getting to the passer in the first handful six seven weeks of the season we saw the Colts creating pressure we saw the Colts being able to get to the quarterback a lot of teams right now lately Rodgers uh and the Packers the Colts didn't get a piece of him much they didn't get a piece of Tannehill much uh this past week the Colts are not creating pressure and other teams are creating offensive schemes to are not creating but tweaking their offensive schemes to keep the Colts from getting pressure or to eliminate that as an option. Because if you do that to this Colts defense, especially with the scheme, then you can run for days. And they've proven that. You break them down on the ground, and then you go to the air, and you make some quick passes, and you let your playmakers do what they do. That's that's an issue here. Um, so the Colts have a lot to, to do. They've got to find ways to create more pressure. They've got to get guys back defensively. They've got to get... Honestly, I think they've – I don't know. You've got to decrease Yassin's snap counts some way, somehow. You've got to figure something out. The Colts are probably going to have to make a move now for punter um, with uh, Rigoberto Sanchez's news of having cancer. He could be out for a while. You never know how long or what, but we're all thinking of him, uh, of course, and his family. That's uh, terrible, terrible news. So you hate to hear that. Um that that's that's just real life stuff there, and that's scary, man. So uh, shout to to Rigoberto. Hope he's doing okay, and that uh, everything can be done through surgery and and taking him out of his body so that he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. Because that's uh, that's scary stuff. Um, but the Colts have a lot long way to go. So they've and they've got a lot of things to do. They've got a lot of things to figure out. The Colts have have got to find a way to get guys more involved. Uh, they've got to tighten up their schemes. They've got to tighten up their play, uh, run game, offensive line. They've got to figure out an answer at left tackle with Costanzo out for a little bit. The Colts have to figure out a backup somewhere. Um, a lot of people are talking about, you know, should we move Quentin Nelson out there to left tackle? I don't know. I mean, shit, it could have. I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't be a bad deal, a bad idea. But here, here's kind of my just uh, instant thought on that is I'd much rather have Quentin Nelson at left guard as opposed to tackle. 
I do understand that left tackle needs to be one of the best offensive linemen, if not the best offensive lineman in your group. Uh, my only thought process is in terms of Philip Rivers getting pressure, I'd much rather him get pressure from the edge as opposed to the interior. That's just where I'm at. So if Quentin Nelson is in there and he's keeping pressure from the interior down to a minimum, I would prefer just going with whoever the Colts can throw out there at left tackle um, to be he, probably terrible, but at least that they're not allowing pressure from the interior as much because you're going to have Nelson to rely on whoever that guy is that plays out there, whether it's Green or, God forbid, it's Raven Clark. Um, you just don't know. And you've got to, you've got – Quentin Nelson there to kind of help with chips if, if he's not being overloaded on the interior and hopefully Ryan Kelly's back and Glowinski continues to have uh, a good game. I thought he had a good game this past week. It wasn't terrible um, after a bunch of holding calls and a bunch of which was kind of just sloppy, uh, you know, sloppy work there at, at the, in the interior of the offensive line and the exterior. I mean, just all of it. the in, offensive line was just not good last week. So uh, you hope that that can change as well, but uh, the Colts, you know, need to find an answer in, in a lot of different places here. Um, now seven and four, they're going to have a big challenge uh, against the Texans because the Texans are, I mean, Deshaun Watson. I mean, dude, come on, you know, they're they're uh, they're uh, I think they're fairly healthy right now uh, with their skill positions. That's a, a problem for the Colts. We'll see what they can do if the Colts can create some pressure. That'd be great. It's going to be hard getting Watson down. He's a, a mobile guy. He's accurate outside of the pocket. He's going to present a problem. The Colts have to be prepared for both of those and cannot be riddled with penalties, cannot have terrible play, uh, stupidity uh, on the edges. They can't have it uh, on the offensive side of the ball either. Uh, the Colts really have to clean up some things and make a, uh, a strong run here, a strong fundamental uh, high-pressure run here to end the season. Um if they want to do something in the postseason. So um, that's where we're at. We'll have another show as we come up. Make sure if you guys have any questions for me uh, that you want answered on the show or anything like that, get at me on Twitter at MDanelySB. Uh, also, you guys can uh, follow the rest of the guys uh, on the podcast network, on the Stampede Blue podcast network, uh, Stampede Blue Radio, and then you get uh, pancakes as well there with that. Not a free order of pancakes, afternoon pancakes. So... Um, make sure you guys are doing that. If you guys have any questions, like I said, shoot them at me and we'll talk about them on the next show, but we've got, a, uh, we'll have another show before the Texans game. Kind of look at what, uh, what we we should expect to see there. Could be a short show, uh, 15 minutes or so, just to kind of give you guys a bit of an idea of what's going on there. And then we'll have to see what the news brings because there's going to be some news that comes up as well. And obviously Buckner being out last week was big news. Um, you know, and then Autry as well. So hopefully those guys are coming back and hopefully that's the news we're talking about, uh, when it comes into, uh, week 13 here against the Houston Texans. So, uh, thank you guys all for listening. I'll talk to you next time right here on the Colts cast. <laughs>